0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. Exciting update! We've got our very first missing person of the new world. Sorry, it's not actually exciting. Mother Abigail Fremantle, or Mother A as no one should call her, left home in the night and hasn't been seen since. Please keep a lookout, and if you spot her, remember, she's one hundred and two presumed armed and dangerous you are listening to dairy public radio this is dairy public radio Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I am one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
1: Hey, constant readers.
0: And we are back with another episode of The Sit, where we react to and discuss the most recent episode of The Stand, and Josh is leading our discussion.
2: Yes, and we're all back together! Yay. Yay! This is episode six, titled The Vigil, and it starts off, As we're all so happy with the trash can man. (laughs) Ben, the moment Trash showed up on screen, you were
1: all in. I have very mixed feelings, to be perfectly honest. Same. On the one hand, there are some physical acting choices I wouldn't have gone with. Um, I'm not sure about his decision to sometimes have what is it muscular dystrophy mm-hmm. he he holds his hands as though he has some sort of disability
0: yeah is that from the scar tissue i i Could i be. guess yeah.
1: but it it's only sometimes mm-hmm. and it's very distracting and <laughs> odd on the other hand the makeup is amazing yeah it is the costuming yeah. of <laughs> I think the costuming is perfect.
0: It's like he's, I know he's not wearing a diaper, but (laughs) in my head he's just wearing a diaper. He's just
1: (laughs) dirty, dirty, tidy whities and like a weird like mountain climbing (laughs) uh, (laughs) S&M strap. Trash is about
2: efficiency, not about style.
1: (laughs) And um, just the portrayal overall... I'm going to say I love it because it's the trash can man and he's fucking feral. Yes, Yes. that's the
2: exact word I was thinking.
1: We kind of skip over at the beginning of the story when he's still a person. He in the book is an empathetic character, or is a sympathetic character rather, where he's just a person with... Mental difficulties, who has had a really bad life and has been treated poorly for so long that he he descends into this uh, mindless, crazy person. Yeah. This skips all that. And he's just <laughs> literally a, like, screaming...
0: I, I'm sorry, I have to amend screeching.
1: Screeching, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which I
0: loved, actually. Yeah. Was...
1: <laughs> the weird dinosaur sounds he was making
2: yeah, when he was planting I was into the
1: C4. It. <laughs> and I'm going to th- say this up top. This yeah. is going to be, I think, controversial, oh. especially among one third of the table here. I believe <laughs> Ezra Miller should have played Flag. Wow. I mentioned last week that Flag needed more... He he should be manic. He should be all over the place. <laughs> and Ezra Miller, fucking goes for it.
0: Okay. the The only way this podcast is going to continue to survive in the next few minutes <laughs> is if you tell me, because I could be on board with that. Who Alexander Skarsgård would then be?
1: Tra- you- trash can
2: man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I I actually I think. Imagine Lloyd. As Scar- like because he's this big, imposing dude and being so scared of
1: tiny Ezra Miller would be <laughs> really fun to watch Actually, him play. <laughs> I-, I don't think he could pull off the, the weaseliness though <laughs> He couldn't be Stu because he's too cool. Yeah,
0: and James <laughs> Marsden's just killing it as yeah. Stu. What if he's just okay? Kind of like your rock <laughs> thing. What if he's just he's Alexander Skarsgård?
1: <laughs> yeah. he's just That's himself. Okay. All right,
0: yeah. we're yeah. we're good. Right. We can continue. Also,
1: Alexander Skarsgård did uh, I I turned back <laughs> around this episode. He there's some really oh good God. flag moments. Oh yeah, there's yes, it's so good.
2: Uh, I I do like that in the uh, the kind of dream sequence we get with trash. We got oh. Lady Simple's pension check. Mm-hmm. Like the ta- Like you hear the voices in his
1: head. For that sequence. And I thought that was so cool.
0: It looked cool too. That
1: was the most excited I've been in this entire series so far. Is we start out with one of my favorite scenes of the book. Of him in, where is he? Eerie. He's in in Indiana. And he's blowing up those enormous uh, canisters of gas. And like setting up. The bombs all over it. In this, he immediately, he blows them up and immediately just starts cranking it. (laughs) Yeah. That was. That seemed, that seemed like the right choice to make. (laughs) Yes. That that was the point where I think I was like, okay, I, this is the over the top cartoonishness I kind (sighs) of wanted. But then he has this vision of Flag and the way it was directed, like that sequence are you that? kidding me? It was like from a different show. Yeah. I
0: loved it. It was so cool. It because Flag doesn't appear to him as he has appeared to everyone else. He is in a cloak and you can't see his face, it's just all blackness. He gives him this vision and his eyes are fire, and, and we zoom in and then we see all these people, presumably, who have hurt Trash Can Man just. Burning in flames, and
1: I'm talking about the vision before that, that leads into that, where it's just like,
0: oh God, I blocked that out. It was so disturbing. (laughs) It was
1: like a (sighs) a flashing sequence of Willy Wonka boat ride esque, except just horror.
0: In Willy Wonka, I didn't have to see. I'm pretty sure I saw this. You guys can correct me if you didn't see it. A woman. Being mounted by a giant cockroach.
1: It seemed to be something like that. I thought her back was a cockroach. Oh. God. I that I uh, still the, very the disturbing. Bottom half of Trash Can Man's face just turning into like fire and worms. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it was just so it was literally like it was from a different TV show. Last last episode, I was like, "This is just kind of turning into a CBS drama." It's kind of a drama, yeah. But
0: (laughs) they had fun this episode. But this episode,
2: yes. Well, it makes sense because Trashy is so different from literally everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it only makes sense that his interactions with Flag and his visions are so different. So in this episode, we we have the reveal at the end of last episode that mother abigail or mother a which nope. i can't <laughs> i don't like. i it. hate it i get that abigail is a lot of syllables
0: just say the whole thing i mean it's only three right
2: <laughs> now while she's gone we have the scene between harold and nadine when he comes to her uh, with his master plan what did you guys think of that scene
0: like nothing because i'm still thinking about the church <laughs> man <family. laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well he he makes a choice. In this scene, as he talks about later, he never mentions to Nadine that he knows Larry broke into his house Mm -hmm. because of their connection. But instead he comes forward with his plan of uh, telling her that Mother Abigail's gone and he has the perfect plan because they're having a candlelight vigil and they're just going to... Why blow up just the five people they're supposed to? Just take down everybody.
0: That is super evil it's it's more evil harold than i don't know i feel like we've gotten but at the same time what is revealed to us with him especially when franny sees everything although we've already seen that seeing it through her eyes was definitely different for some reason he became the kid that the bullies claimed he was and it made me really sad i'm
1: gonna be completely honest i've slept two hours in the past two days (gasps) (laughs) And getting here to record was struggle in and of itself. And pretty much anything that did not involve Trash Can Man or <laughs> Vegas, I really zoned out. Right,
2: that's that's fair. And well, you know what? Let's jump back to Vegas then, because I really want to talk about Judge Ferris. I said last episode we'd get the scenes with, with her and her death, because in the book, that whole sequence mm-hmm. is really great mm-hmm. because you know the they have to the orders are to take her alive because Dana killed herself and he needs that third person cuz all he can see when he tries to conjure a vision is the moon and instead of getting that face off we get the aftermath how long into them carrying a body over their shoulder to the elevator up to the penthouse did it take you guys to piece together that it was judge ferris because it took me too long
0: (laughs) oh no i realized right away because it's like oh man i hope they flash back to the scene you know where maybe they're going to reveal her body and then we're going to see what happened which we didn't but instead we got this guy who (laughs) i thought looked like a Hispanic older Joseph Gordon Levitt. can't remember his I, name. I, I, I honestly yeah. did
1: think it was Joseph Gordon Levitt <laughs> in like prosthetics for yeah, some reason. It looked like. But him. instead, it was one of the vegan police from Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> Vers- Pilgrim versus the world. Which is arguably better.
0: That guy had some balls and theoretically a pretty decent escape plan. It was nice to see <laughs> someone challenge what? flag. You don't think so? You don't
1: think. Th- his escape plan was run.
0: Well, no, he padlocked, he padlocked a door. the
1: door to the yeah. penthouse.
0: He didn't know. But Flag there's was five people magic. in there, and it was okay. a loose chain. I'm sorry. I have to tell you guys. Okay. My favorite part of these scenes with Flag and in, in this group and in the judge was when he's this guy Teddy Teddy Bobby or something. Teddy
1: Bobby, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bobby Terry.
0: Teddy Bobby. <laughs> is, Ricky Bobby is uh, being not so apologetic lloyd and julie and some other people are looking at him like oh fuck oh man (laughs) and you can see them slowly backing away every Uh time he messes up
1: yeah the flag is like confronting this guy and this guy is like yeah sorry (laughs) does not give a shit obviously and flag talks him down from being sorry he's like why should you be sorry? I love that. I, this, oh. this is fine. This whole scene was what I wanted Flag to be the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's so just like, why should you be sorry? I mean, an attack on my men is an attack on me. And she was an old, old woman. And it had to be you or her. <laughs>
0: She was so frail yeah. and, and did only weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet. It yeah. had to be it turns
1: so <laughs>
0: from
2: so
1: authentic to so condescending.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's I
1: love it. Fantastic. And the best part, of course, is after he runs <laughs> and he's running and he he gets to the elevator, the penthouse elevator. And I, I, which one of you was it, or was it? Uh, it was Devin. Oh, it was uh, uh, Devin who's watching with us is like, oh, he's gonna be in the elevator. But it's so much better <laughs> so, mm-hmm. because we get what is this insane line reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yells it with this weird...
0: Glee. Happiness, yes. yes. <laughs> he's like,
1: Bobby, Terry, you messed
0: it up. Like he's a game show host <laughs> and he's calling him out from the crowd. It is
1: so funny. My gut reaction was like, what was... <laughs> nah, it was perfect. <laughs>
0: and because
1: he immediately burst through a door.
0: Oh, that was cool. The most
2: casual burst through a door that's ever existed. And I love. it. I wish
0: I could burst through every door that way. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> just into splinters. It's so good.
0: I also liked that, because I kind of thought, too, he was going to be in the elevator and he wasn't. And then he's walking behind him. And you think, well, he's going to get to the elevator before it closes, because... Uh, Bobby Teddy finally gets in and then it closes and you hear something and he turns around and Flag isn't just like standing there brooding over him. He's crouched on the floor. Again, he's not even behind
2: him. He's directly in front. He just he just like sniffs the air for a second and he's like and looks down. And
1: he's he's just crouched down (laughs) looking up at him. I thought he was just like sitting on the floor (laughs) cross-legged. Like he does when he meets with, uh, in the book with mm-hmm. uh, Dana Jergens, mm-hmm. how he just like sits cross-legged yeah. all peacefully. I thought he was just doing that, sitting, looking up <laughs> at him, like, "What now?" And what now is he tears the guy's heart out of his chest? Yeah.
2: Brutal. Like I love that it shows from the outside this glass elevator that we talked a lot about last episode and it just slowly becomes more and more covered in blood as he's just yeah. slamming that dude's body around and
0: he, he destroys him with his teeth too which is yeah. disturbing
2: yeah. when the elevator door opens up and his head drops out i believe his eyes are pulled out mm-hmm. his tongue appears to be gone and his stomach is open, and his, you can see
1: all of his guts. Yeah. It, it's the rage. Yeah. That we missed with, like, in the book after Dana Jurgens, mm-hmm. that we have that thing of Lloyd standing in the hallway and just hearing him just, like, throw her body around the room like a rag doll. We get that, <laughs> but with some dipshit named Bobby Terry and it's I feel great. Like, I feel like that's so we can cheer about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that's it,
2: true. Because
1: it's so cool.
0: It became unexpected then and I I appreciate less violence against women and, and you know more against that's... men. Let's be equal here. <laughs> <Hang on. laughs>
1: I, I think
2: we can all agree about that. <laughs> I, I'm i really liking the unhinged moments we're getting from
1: Flag now. Mm. I, I I hope it ramps up. Me too. I, I really hope as His plan starts to fall apart because, as we see, as we'll talk about next, the third spy uh, looks like he's not going to catch him. Yeah.
0: But it looked like he was going to catch him for a second. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I was going to be, for the first time in this series, upset.
2: Yeah. And it was such a great moment because as he steps out of the elevator, he just very calmly says, I apologize for the mess. Please call housekeeping and have this taken care of. And just walks away. <laughs> and the lady on the radio is like, "I need six people down here. Make sure one of them is that big guy who s- spells out M O O N
1: about s- things all the time." And Flag just stops real quick. The uh, the stand fashion update. That lady's outfit fucking rules. Yeah, that is pretty also. Rock solid. I was looking up on IMDb. I believe she is uh, listed as. Rat woman. Oh Whoa. nice. yeah Yes. Perfect. Yeah, she's just wearing a blazer with nothing underneath it and a mad max stripe across her eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's rad.
0: I'm also really into Julie's fashion. <laughs> Digging it. Yeah. And I we don't have to talk about this, but Lloyd is such a intolerable dipshit.
1: <laughs> yes. He's every scene he's in, he's dressed more and more like a cartoon pimp.
0: And he dances. <laughs> Everywhere <laughs> he goes, he doesn't walk, he dances.
2: He's on top of the I, world, man. I
0: stand by Julie, should have been flag's right hand man.
2: <laughs> so, at this moment, we have Tom Cullen who decides to hide under a pile of bodies that are being disposed I of. I hate
0: what they're putting Tom through in order
2: to escape. I see, I think this choice is really good. You want him to, this is something heroic mm-hmm. for Tom because mm-hmm. this is terrifying for him mm-hmm. and he's very fragile and it it's better than in the book when
1: he just gets to leave. In the book it's supernatural. It's yeah. just like he just so happens to look up and mm-hmm. see the moon and this hypnotism kicks in mm-hmm. and he leaves and it just so happens that he's lucky and through the will of God makes it out. But in this, it's Tom being clever. Mm-hmm. The note that we kind of made fun of that Dana Jurgens gave him that said, run. When we first see Tom in this episode, he's like holding it and like trying to figure it out. And I was like, Tom, get rid of the note. <laughs> and he calls, uh, who I'm really hoping I'm right, is Woman mm-hmm. uh, over and is like, hey, what's this word? And you're like, God damn it, Tom. What are you doing? <laughs> But then he points it out that the machine he's working on has the word run on it. And he worked out that it's the same word, but he can't show her the note. It makes you Mm -hmm. so proud of him. Yeah, Yeah. It's clever. uh, Hiding in this pile of bodies to get Mm -hmm. out, knowing that he can't use the roads is just smart. Shows how resourceful and... Amazing Tom Collins. Tom it. will surprise you. I just feel
0: like he's been, you guys are totally right. I just feel like he's been through so much, like having to clean up all the dead bodies and mm-hmm. stuff. Ugh.
1: Which there's a scene where he just like deadlifts a corpse. <laughs> yeah. Tom's like, a badass. <laughs> almost one handed, just like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I was like, good God, I think Tom could just kill a dude. <laughs> like <laughs> he 100% could yeah. do that. All
2: right. Let's talk about the scene between Mother Abigail and Flag in the woods. Because this is another big departure in the book. Once Mother Abigail leaves, we get nothing from her until she comes back. But this, we get to see something in the woods. What did you guys feel about the scene between those two?
0: I really liked it. I liked being able to see more of Mother Abigail, especially since we haven't gotten her history in those flashbacks. And it was cool to see her and Flag conf... You know, well, him kind of trying to tempt her, you know, kind of getting mm-hmm. a little biblical. And then she's just like, no, I get <laughs> out of here. You're dumb.
1: Yeah, it, it was overall like I think we needed this scene, this yeah. confrontation between these two and the biblical allusion to like the devil tempting Christ in the desert. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, There are two things about the scene that did bother me. One was the climax of. I guess flag using his Superman powers yep. to try and <laughs> blow her off a cliff. It was so dark. I couldn't really tell what was happening other than it was kind of hokey. And the other thing is the fact that Alexander Skarsgård wasn't a giant. like I thought. <laughs> nope. Just had the high ground. Yeah. The first shot is she's like walking through the woods, talking to herself. Like apparently everyone does. In well, she's trailer. talking to God. Um, Fair. Hey, you hear his voice and it pans and the shot is framed in such a way that it literally looks like Alexander Skarsgård is 12 feet tall. Yeah, that was... And I was like, that's a really fucking cool choice. <laughs> Weird, but I love it. And then he's just on a hill. <laughs> okay, fine.
0: So you're, you would be good with giant Skarsgård randomly, but you, yes. you don't like him trying to blow her off a cliff. Because uh, I think that's equally that's on that's the same page the same book.
1: <laughs> him being giant is it would just be such a weird visual yeah. bit <laughs> where it would have nothing to do with the story. It's just like I- I'm into anything that's just like <laughs> makes you go wait why okay but the the way that he deals with her being I'm gonna try to fucking he's the big bad wolf big bad wolf <laughs> or off a cliff. i was like he can do better man set the woods on fire or something
0: i thought he was blowing, where are all the weasels i thought he was blowing like cold like a, a cold front in and she was gonna freeze to death
2: okay so what i thought was happening
0: <laughs> i love how we all I, thought something different yeah
2: so the first thing i loved was when flag turns the conversation to t- telling her we both know you want to die. And I thought that that really struck her mm-hmm. because it feels real honest yeah. the way she's portrayed this character. And I thought that was cool that he's pinpointing her weak spot. But I also thought that the... Uh, we know he can't hurt her. That's somehow or another part of this this chess game between good and evil. He cannot hurt her and she deep down knows it and it makes him angry. But what he can do is rattle her and blow her off a cliff or <laughs> because that after that happens, all of those birds come flying out of the woods mm-hmm. towards her, which almost knocks her off that cliff again. So I thought that was a a show of force to make her think that he can do more mm-hmm. when in reality he can't. Like, I think it was Purely for fear. And, to be fair, if she did want to die, she could have let herself go. Yeah. She clings for life onto that tree, and she
1: could have just gone. The super breath is such a lame superpower. (laughs) It's so lame. Okay, we... A laser eyes something <laughs> shit.
0: That's James Marsden's gig.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> don't take Cyclops's
2: game. We we talked last episode about them taking things away from Franny by having Larry break in, but we do get Franny breaking in. Yeah, to Harold's, and holy shit! I forgot about the computer with the cam in her bedroom almost immediately because the second she got to the basement steps turned it on and saw it I lost my mind.
1: Can you imagine anything worse? Worse. Than walking into someone's house and seeing a monitor with your fucking bedroom on it. She... No, bathroom. That'd be worse.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
2: still yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Like a place you like inherently feel
1: safe in yeah it's just so the place
0: you do so much stuff in that you what? don't want other people to see <laughs> i
1: don't know what you're talking about
0: <laughs> <laughs> like i said earlier i really liked the scene because it even though we had seen all of that it was different seeing it through mm. franny's eyes and seeing her horror and i thought the actress did a good job portraying that And it was really interesting. I'm curious if you guys bought her speech to Harold when he caught her because that was a surprise. And I at first I was thinking, oh, she's just trying to say whatever she can to get him to let her go and to defuse the situation. And now as I'm reflecting on it, part of me is wondering, was there was there any truth in that?
2: There was she said one honest thing and that was she needs him because she connects him to the time before
1: mm.
2: because it it lets just say what we all know about Franny Franny's kind of selfish yeah like that that's something about that character that has pretty much been true through everything and i think that was the one honest
1: yeah. moment honestly i thought the scene was filler yeah i i do not think it was necessary i don't think it added anything i don't think there was enough character development to have that interaction be earned that they they had not earned that honest of an emotional scene uh, it did not work for me at all do you know what it did do for me that i thought was
2: really great and what i really loved about the scene is harold's speech when he's yelling back at her he talks about that all of this was supposed to be my great adventure. This was my story. This is about me. When we started episode one, who was our main character?
0: Yeah. Who Harold. was this great
2: journey all about? <laughs> I thought that was a really cool way
1: to bring okay. back that
2: he was the, he, the, what would have been the hero of the story as far as people were concerned.
1: That's, I had not thought about it that way. And that is actually really cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, man, he throws Fran He he pretends like he's uh, coming down after she kind of talks him down, but instead throws her back and then locks her in the basement because he's got to go blow some people up
1: and he wants her to be safe because they still belong together.
0: Yeah, which is weird.
1: <laughs> and also, how does he figure that's going to work out? <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, that's true. I I, was going to say, I think he's just buying time, but I realize what you're talking about now. Yeah. That she's going to be like, well, you are the only man left now, so let's do this. (laughs) No,
1: I mean about with Flag. I mean, obviously, Franny's not going to give a shit.
0: But we haven't really seen Flag talking to him as much.
1: that's something I was going to say in this is Harold doesn't actually have any connection to Flag. He has one vision, Mm -hmm. but everything else has come through Nadine, yeah. which he confronts her about and says, like, what is he telling you that he's not telling me? Mm-hmm. What is he not telling you?
0: And she's like, he's telling me everything. He yeah. needs me. I'm like, Ooh, girl, <laughs> Yes. <Yeah. in confidence." laughs>
1: well, Fran
2: busts her way out, despite the fact that windows open from the inside.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> crawls her way to freedom and, and heads off to warn everybody else. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I did not. That, that's very funny.
2: <laughs> it really got them there. And so why did she do that? <laughs>
0: you know, I've never been to Colorado. Maybe their basement windows are different. Maybe. And ours in the Midwest.
2: <laughs> Maybe. So uh, let's talk about Nadine Larry and Joe. Uh, Throughout the episode we get some tension between them Mm -hmm. because of Nadine throwing herself at Larry and all of that uh, when Nadine drops off the bomb Mm -hmm. and uh, there becomes this what to do about Joe kind of moment because Larry wants to bring Joe she doesn't want to and they have this this final kind of confrontation in the living room right before she takes Joe away what did you guys think about that?
0: I'm still kind of surprised that Nadine, given some of the scenes we've had with her, that she still cares about literally anybody, even Joe. Part of me expected her to just leave, leave them all and walk away. And I'm not sure that I buy her compassion.
1: This is another, uh, the, the connection between Nadine and Larry has been so rushed that it's just very just by the numbers. I didn't that's really fair. buy any of it. Yeah. She
0: was so all in with Flag that when she did finally throw herself at Larry, that's the part I had a hard time believing.
1: Yeah. Yeah I, I just can't couldn't follow I can't follow Larry's motivation for like anything. He's not really like. I mean he's taking care of Joe, but there's no like conflict. He already seems like he's his whole thing in the book is i want to be a more responsible better person and he is so yeah he, well he's he's trying yeah and when we're getting some of that but this we finally got dialogue from joe
0: nadine and mommy nadine are not the same
1: that i i love a speechless character when they deliver their their first line it's always so impactful
0: and nadine tries to save larry
2: yeah, that that took me a minute to realize. That's
0: what she was that's, doing. That's, that's what she me was too. It doing. It took
1: me until you just said that to
0: realize. <laughs> I,
1: so Nadine goes to Larry's house to pick up Joe and take him to the babysitting where all the kids are going to go while mm-hmm. this big vigil is happening. She leaves and Larry go. Larry kind of senses something is wrong something's up and he goes to use his walkie talkie and the batteries are got pulled out and he runs outside and he's like Nadine Nadine and she drives off and he hops on his motorcycle and the like gas line has been cut and in my head I was like but he is she wants him to blow up (laughs) (laughs) what What? this is a bad plan Nadine (laughs) I
2: don't understand this at all. It took me until she actually did show up to the school with Joe because I thought maybe she was just going
0: mm-hmm. and they were
2: gonna kind of change the the rest of this from there uh, so once she arrived there it clicked that she was just trying to stop him from going
0: It took me until his gas line was cut like oh she's keeping him from getting there in time theoretically for the bomb yeah.
1: literally did not track for me <laughs> at all. Uh,
2: we have joe uh later hears mother abigail he's the one who hears mother abigail's voice and then goes and finds her does in a
0: very wild. has a very invasion of the body snatchers moment
1: <laughs> just screaming With donald it.
0: sutherland yeah. yeah
1: also the kids were watching time bandits <laughs> which is which great. i thought was a weird choice
2: Uh, I really liked Nadine and uh, Harold meeting at the amphitheater because I also forgot about that from the Mm -hmm. book. So when I saw that, I was very happy about it. He even does the, I, Harold, Emery, Lauder, do this of my own free will. Uh,
0: And Nick dies.
2: Okay, that's what I want to talk about for the remainder of the time. Yes. Because I'm very upset about how this went down.
1: Agreed. Nick
2: dies a hero's death. Because he feels there's something going on. And then at the last moment, hears Mother Abigail telling him there's a bomb. Meanwhile, other people have gone outside because mm-hmm. of the of them finding Mother Abigail. So all of that still tracks. But he sacrifices himself to save everyone. And in this, he stands there and stares at it and then blows up. Yep.
0: I think weirdly this is an Old Testament style wrathful, vengeful God punishment for Nick because he was supposed to be, and I don't agree with this. I just, this is what it made me think of. He is supposed to be Mother Abigail's voice and he does not do that.
1: That's a really good point. It's a good point, but sucks, a shitty but change. <laughs> I, I, I hate
0: that. I'm saying it just, it kind of makes no, sense that for the story.
1: I, I completely agree. I, I would not have thought of that.
0: It just
2: makes, it takes me back to my, uh, the true villain of the story is Glenn Bateman from when we <laughs> covered the book. And my argument at that time, uh, if, if listeners remember, was that Nick is kind of the, the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And it's because he can't talk and other people do that they take the lead that really should have come from him. And that's kind of where all this falls apart. And I just felt like, I, I feel like Nick deserves better. I feel like I feel like he deserved at the very least to have saved someone Mm. (laughs) because at this point he didn't save anyone.
1: Yeah, the house is completely empty. He notices that the piano's called it, by the way, that the piano's lid is down and Mother Abigail always keeps the lid up so the kids can see Mm -hmm. and just like very slowly opens the lid and then looks up to the sky and explodes. And it was just so. It made his death feel pointless. Yeah.
0: He was accepting his betrayal. Yeah. It's
2: I, I guess. I, I, yeah. I, I definitely no. It sucks. <laughs> I definitely like your thought process because that actually makes me not hate it. But yeah, I just I I feel I feel bad that that's that's how we're mm-hmm. saying goodbye to Nick. Like especially, I really like this Nick.
1: Yeah, And I oh, really yeah.
2: would have liked, and I especially would have liked for him to hear Mother Abigail in his head this one last time mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: I think Nick is one of the characters that have gotten the shortest straw Absolutely. in this series. Because he is one of the standout characters of the book, and his death in the book means so much. Yeah. And in this, we half of his story is cut out, and... He's almost more of a vessel of telling Tom Cullen's story. And Tom, than anything Tom's else. on his way back and doesn't know he's dead yet. <sighs> Guys. So
2: maybe <laughs> we're gonna get more
1: Nick. You know what? I'm that's oh, kinda of hopeful oh, of that. I, I it would be very cool to see the next mm-hmm. episode have Tom Cullen's travels back east with Nick.
0: Well, that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we will be covering the next episode of The Stand. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm C.M. Alexander reminding you, <laughs> my life for you. Hey everyone, C.M. Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Sit, Part 6. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry for my terrible trash can man impression at the end there, but not sorry enough to re-record it. So there we go. As always, find us on social media at Dairy Public Radio. Send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And if you haven't seen it yet, we have a new store on Etsy with an amazing new logo, a lot of options for all of you. So please check us out. Search Dairy Public Radio on Etsy. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.